Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached Word of God in agreement to the Scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. ...is to be in church this evening. I want to thank you for your prayers for the last few days. They have certainly been meaningful and important. I, I don't like to miss church for any reason. And it, and it just felt so odd. <laughs> it just felt so odd to be out of church Sunday morning, just less than a quarter of a mile away, and it just seemed like it almost should have or could have been three worlds apart. But I certainly appreciate those that uh, were so able and willing to step up to the plate Sunday there at the last minute, Brother Jerry and Brother Tim. And so I know you had more than beans and biscuits. And so with great consolation, I say in comfort, thank you to those men. I appreciate the church more today than I probably ever have in my whole life. And that's only because I've, I've only lived up until this moment. But every day that I live, the church becomes more and more precious, and more valuable. It just seems like the church is almost a prism in, in and when you hold it up to the light, no matter what angle, you just see it kind of differently in, it, in its own right, in its own way, in its beauty. And I, I'm so thankful for that. I'm thankful for the value of appointed places. And I appreciate the burden in the heart of man to have a place to come. It was something that has always been in the, in the hidden recesses of a man's heart to have a place that man could meet with God. Sometimes it was very, very primitive. When I think about Jacob's dream in just a sandy place, there was nothing there to draw men. There was nothing there. There were no lights, no flash, no finesse. But in that awkward, odd, seemingly place, Jacob came to himself and said, Surely God has been here. And with that acknowledgement, the scripture says that he turned the rocks that he had been using for a pillow over and anointed them with oil and made them pillars. And that became a place of significance. It was just really in all truthfulness just an oily, an oily rock in a sandy place if we were just to boil that down to the minds of men, to the definitions of men. But later in his life, it would be so significant that God would speak to him in a moment of crisis, an extreme crisis, and remind him of that place called Bethel. And he said, I must get back to that place, that anointed place, that appointed place where God met with man. It didn't seem like much to many, and I'm confident that several passers-by just passed right on by without ever acknowledging the moment or the significance of that moment. But for Jacob, 
it was very, very meaningful because that's where he met with God. And we roll the pages forward and we see the significance of that and how that the tabernacle became that place for man and God somehow in this primitive and awkward again sense, but for man to meet with God. And it was there that sins were pushed back and it we know was a flawed system in, in, of sorts because it was later replaced, we know, by the Spirit of God. And, but we really, really realize the value of that place. David in his heart always sought to build a place for God. It was in his heart, it was, in his, it was just a part of, of the makeup of who he was. He wanted to build a tabernacle and a, a temple, a place that man could meet with God. It was so significant to him. It was so important to him that he went to the priest of that day and said, this is what I must do. And as though it were just an answer of impulse, he was told, just go do what's in your heart. God had to correct that that night in the heart and the mind of the priest and it was incumbent upon him to correct it the next day and said because of the blood upon your hands and your life you could never do this but it never took away the desire and it never took away the significance nor the importance in the mind of the heart of David that man needs a place to meet with God and so from that moment until the last drawing breath of David he committed his life to working toward that end and deals were made and friendships were forged and, and business deals were, were, uh, were forged, if you please. And he spent the rest of his days gathering material for that son that would one day build a house. It was a significant house. When Solomon finally had an opportunity to do so, he gave God his very best. I don't think in our minds that we could ever fully comprehend the beauty the majesty of Solomon's temple. But so many years that went into that work, such significance that went into that work, such detail that went into that work. And if all that were not enough, when you begin to read over the, the trimmings of Solomon's temple and how it was made and all of the details, I'm, I'm going to once again say my mind just kind of fails to wrap completely around all of that. I've seen many renderings of that. I, I've seen many assumptions of that and everything I, I have ever seen has been beauty beyond the telling. But somehow I just imagine in my own heart that that falls a little bit shy of what it really was. And then if that were not enough, to me what would settle it all was the prayer of dedication of Solomon. As he began to pray over a place that was far more than just badger skin stretched over wood, it was far more than just primitive tools that were literally drug across the desert. This was a monument of monument, a building of buildings. It was something that forever would be recognized and noted as the temple, the place where man would meet God. But Solomon was so intense and so intentional in his prayer until he prayed this, and I know that many of you are ahead of me now, that of the many things that Solomon prayed about that place where man would meet God, he just said this, and I'm paraphrasing, but I promise you I'm in Scripture. He said, if for some reason man can't get to this place, I want this place to be so significant that if man can just turn toward that place. 
if they can just turn toward this house, I want this to not be another building, not just another piece of real estate. I don't want this to just be another piece of furniture overlaid with gold. I want this to be something so dedicated between you and I that man can just turn toward this house and there find peace. I am as mystified by the story of Jonah as any man or woman in this house. I don't really know how any of this unfolded in real life. We all have our suppositions. But the Bible says that when Jonah was in the belly of this repaired fish, and this is how detailed the scripture is, that with seaweed wrapped around his head, somehow, some way, the Bible says he turned toward the temple. And it was there in that moment of heartfelt repentance that God heard the cry of an angry man. He heard the cry of a man that had, I think before, we could certainly label him rebellious, that said, I'm not going there, I'll go there instead. But somehow in the confines of that prepared place, God got a hold of Jonah's heart enough that he turned himself toward the temple, prayed a prayer of repentance, and the scripture says that that fish spit him out. And I'm thankful for that significant place. And I'm telling you tonight that we're not here by accident. I'm glad this building has an address. I'm glad it has a longitude and a latitude. And I'm thankful for that literally. I'm thankful that we are in out of the weather tonight. And I'm thankful that we're not in some primitive building. But we're in a beautifully decorated building. The atmosphere, the climate is just right, especially compared to that outside. I'm thankful for that, but I'm thankful beyond the fact that we know how to get here literally. I'm glad that there is a longitude and a latitude spiritually that God knew tonight that we were going to come to this house, that these doors were going to be unlocked, and it was not going to be an arbitrary act on our part, but very intentionally we were going to unlock the doors and turn on the lights because man needs a place to meet with God. Amen. I walked up and down the aisles of this very building just a, uh, just a little more than an hour ago and I said, Lord, I don't know of any other place to come for strength than right here in this house. And I'm thankful that I had a place to go and I'm thankful that there was a church and I'm glad, frankly, that it was church night. I'm glad that it was a time that I knew that even as I was praying that very prayer, some of you were already headed this way Amen, you are literally driving this way. Others of you are preparing to drive this way, but we come into this house because we understand the value and the significance of being in this place together because God and man need a place to commune. I'm thankful for the designated place in our home that I pray, and I'm thankful that you have a designated place in your home, if you do, to pray. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for that special moment from time to time. My wife rearranges, depending on what, year, what time of the year it is, she rearranges the furniture a little bit, so sometimes I'm praying facing this way. Other times I'm praying facing this way, but as long as she don't sell the chair, I'm in good shape. It's my favorite chair. It's my favorite chair and my favorite pillow to hold on to. When I talk to the Lord, I want to say, Good morning, Jesus. I'm glad that you gave me this day. This is the day that you made. I needed a place. I needed a place that I could come. Now, it's just a piece of furniture, and it wouldn't bring a lot on today's market, but you see what makes it significant. It's a place where I feel that man can meet God. 
I'm so thankful for this. There are many people that would probably without question ride up and down this road and if the sign wasn't there, and I realize the architecture of the building sort of gives it away that it is a place of worship, it is a house of worship, but I would suppose that if this same building were on a major thoroughfare, thousands of people would drive by this building and not ever know the significance of what this place means to you or what it means to me. You see, these brick, they were made and they were probably made by the millions and there's no doubt many, many other buildings that stand made out of the same brick and mortar. The lumber that makes up this house, the lumber that was used to construct this very building, I'm confident out of that same run of lumber, other buildings were made. And and I don't know anything about those places. I don't even know where they may have wound up or what that may represent. But I do know something about 503 Southeast Cephas Liston Road. I do know something about the brick and mortar that make up this building. Because it was here as a young man that I absolutely found my way to the Lord and I'm thankful for that and it was not only was a place that I found my way to God but it's also a place I have found the way of God and I'm so very very grateful for that a place where man can meet God don't ever take it for granted don't ever take it for granted I've held too many hands of people that cannot either temporarily or permanently ever get back to the house of God. I've heard their quivering voice as it said, if I could just be there one more time. I've heard that too many times from too many different personalities, from too many different makeups, from too many different backgrounds to not take that statement serious or be significant. And so I want to say, Lord, while I have breath and strength, I want to come to the place where man can meet with God. Amen. I need to be in his presence tonight more than I need anything else. More. I mean this literally more than I need my next breath of air. I need the presence and the makeup and the strength of Almighty God. I'm thankful that I had a place that I could come. I'm thankful that it's always been in the heart of man to make a place. When Noah popped out of the ark, so grateful, I'm sure, for dry ground. I'm very, very positive in my mind that he was thankful just to be back on solid ground. Solid ground again. My wife and I at different intervals in our life have been on houseboats for extended periods of time on vacations with friends and it's something that we haven't done in quite a while but we've enjoyed in our past. And after you spend several days on the water even though you may be on a fairly large boat, when you get off of that boat you just... You're just grateful that something's underneath you, especially my wife is very, very prone to motion sickness, so she's very, very thankful to be back on solid ground. If it wasn't for the friends we were with, she probably wouldn't even buy into that at all. But just to be back on solid ground, I'm thankful for I'm thankful for the church that represents the solid ground. Amen. This is not shifting sand that we walked into tonight or that we have acquainted ourselves with. The church. I'm thankful for the church. I sat just a few just a few days ago. Uh, I sat just a few days ago in the company of men, and I'm not saying this in some sort of false humility. I'm speaking from my heart. I sat in a room a few nights ago, or a few days ago, several hours, a little bit, almost nine hours or so, in a meeting. I sat in in a room with men that, for in, in all honesty, I sat there and many times throughout the day, in part because I wasn't feeling well. And uh, so I, I was doing a whole lot more listening than talking. But I, 
I think just kind of the state of mind I was in physically and mentally, it just kind of set the stage for me to be able to view things a little bit differently. I sit in a room with men that in all honesty, I wonder how in the world, how in the world that I ever managed to be sitting in this chair. And I say that humbly with these men. And I sat there and I thought about the men that were sitting there and their ministries and what, uh, what I feel that they have accomplished, what's very evident in many respects that they have accomplished. And I thought, Lord, if it wasn't for the church, I would not even know these men. If it had not been for the venue of what we call the church, my life would have never intersected. And so I thank you, Lord, for the church for men that the Bible says iron sharpening iron. I, 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 I drove away from that meeting and I couldn't help it. I just spent almost nine hours in the same room with these men and I had to call most of them on my way home to just say thank you. I want to thank you for the things that you shared today. I want to thank you. I feel like I'm driving home a better man. I feel like I'm coming home a better person and today I just had to say Lord if it had not been for that place where you meet with man, I would not have. Be, I would not be in this place. Just last night, I I had the privilege, in my opinion, to be a part uh, of a uh, of a conference call. And I know for some of you, this will be a little, sound a little weird. But many times we have to conduct business because we're scattered out over miles and miles and miles. We have to conduct business over a conference call, and so for an hour and forty seven minutes exactly, I did a whole lot more listening than I did talking in part because I didn't feel that well but another part is I was just listening to men as they tagged in on certain subjects and they began to share their heart and I thought God if it hadn't been for the church I would not know one of these voices that are speaking but I was so thankful Brother Rayleigh that they didn't even have to introduce themselves that when they began to speak, I recognized their voice. We were separated in some instances by hundreds and hundreds of miles. But I thought, Lord, I want to thank you for that voice in my life. I'm glad there was a place that God could meet with man and bring all of this together and to realize the family of God is so vast and, and the opinions and the, uh, not just the opinions, but the weighty opinions. I think of some that said this and, and let's add that and let's talk about this and let's stretch. And I, I believe, I know for some of you, and, and trust me, an hour and 47 minute conversation on the phone under ordinary circumstances would not be all that appealing to me but nevertheless I hung up not thinking about oh there's an hour and 47 minutes of my life that I'll never get back there's time wasted but I felt so enriched and so encouraged I, I felt so strengthened by those men that were tagging in tagging in, tagging in, talking about the things planning and pushing not just for tomorrow but into the, into the next several years I'm thankful for the church I'm thankful for the kingdom of God in all of its vastness in all of its diversity in all of its ups and all of its down I'm thankful for the church thankful for the church amen I don't believe the last chapter has been written I don't, I don't believe the last song has been rendered I don't think the last message has been preached but I believe that God I believe that God is steering the destiny of the church at large and I certainly believe that God is steering the destiny of this church in particular and so I feel 
grossly overwhelmed at times by what I see before us, but I saw also feel hugely encouraged by what I see before us. I'm thankful for the church. I'm thankful for those who made such great sacrifices to help us as a church who this year would celebrate our 75th year of existence. I'm thankful for the, the names. You know, I'm not going to mention names tonight, but I'm thankful for the names that readily come to mind when we think about the embryonic stages of this church. Many of those names would probably be associated with, for you and for me, would be associated with family members or perhaps close friends and associates. But today, in an effort to try to just peel back one more layer to say thank you, I begin to think about, um, and, and maybe you won't find the connection, but pardon me for a moment, but I begin to think about Hebrews 11 and all this list of heroes of faith, and as we read their names, many of us just at the mention or the very glancing of their name, we kind of understand their story. It's hard to see the name Samson and not just think about many, many images. But then when we come down to somewhere around verse 35, it gets a little more vague. And it just said, and, and, and others, and others. I, I don't think that's an attempt, Brother Rayleigh, in any shape, form, or fashion to, to be disrespectful or to say that this lot over here was so important that we needed to mention their name and their lot and their social security number. And these were just going to lump some, but I believe that you know what John said, if everything were written that could be written, the world would contain the book. And so at some point there just has to be that lump sum to say, and others. They're not any less important or they're no less significant than these over here that we have mentioned, but these, these others, these nameless and faceless individuals that have been so instrumental in their faith, even though they didn't receive the promise, they just continued to hold on and they marched faithfully. And so I'm thankful tonight for the names who we might readily recall just in the history of this church. I'm thankful for those names, but today I just begin to think about and others and others that perhaps they were just a part of the church for a little while, for whatever reason. Maybe they moved in the area, moved out of the area, even though it's not a high transient area. That does happen from time to time. And maybe they were here just long enough to serve as enough strength to be a catalyst just to propel it to another chapter, another, another day, another hour, another month, another year. I'm thankful not just for the names that I can recognize and I'm not just thankful for the names and the faces that would be familiar to me but I'm thankful for those and others that just kept coming and they kept coming and they kept coming and they kept coming. A, a, a few a weeks ago I was in Ocala on a Sunday night and, and uh, I, I was actually ministering there and just to my, uh, just a little bit to my right I, I looked and I saw a familiar face. It was a, a lady that I had not seen in many, many years, but I, th I, I, I thought my memory was serving me correctly. And, and uh, it, it turned out <clears throat> to be a, a, a pastor's wife from years and years gone by. She and her husband pastored in St. Petersburg, Florida for many, many years where their Craig served on the Florida District Board for uh, many, many years. He was just a voice and a face of, of the Florida District. And, and so after church, I went to Sister Williams to make sure that I was correct in my assumption of who that was. And, and so while I was trying to make sure that 
it's who I thought it was. I didn't realize that on the other end, she was trying to make sure that, that she was understanding that I was who I was. And for a brief moment, I was somebody. <laughs> for just a blip on the map, I was Preacher Tumman's son, grandson. And she said, you know, I remember when we were very young, my husband and I came by and preached in the old building. And she said, I, I am from Michigan, I believe it's Michigan is where her home state is. And she said, you in Michigan, it, when it's wintertime, it's just wintertime. And she said, one of the things that I never forgot about that revival meeting of preaching for your grandfather was that that in the old building, she said, the old pot belly stove, she said, they'd have that thing just almost glowing and the door open. <laughs> she said, because there was really no way to control the temperature. She said, but you couldn't open the door if you were in Michigan, no matter how hot it was. And she began to reminisce about those times and those things. And, and uh, she even mentioned one time early, early on, and the pastor, the sister Boyd and I, that her and her husband came back one more time. He was, his health is was turning south and, and, he, and they knew his days were numbered and he said, I just want to go back to Hatchman one more time. And so they came one weekend when we actually happened to be out of town. I'm thankful for the church. I'm thankful for people, pioneers who, who just kept on. And, and I, I realized that she didn't know me, so to speak. And I didn't really know her, so to speak. She knew of me through an acquaintance. I knew of her because of her husband. But I put my arm around her and I sincerely meant this. I said, I want to thank you for being faithful. Because you were faithful to the kingdom and its cause. When God got a hold of my life, I had a church to go to. And I'm thankful when I got there that the lights were on. Amen. I'm thankful that when I got there, I didn't find a potbelly stove on fire, but I found more than that. I found a church on fire. And I'm thankful for that. A few weeks ago, I was in Gainesville on a Sunday night, and Sister Cannell was there, again, a district superintendent for many, many years ago, her, her, the wife of a district superintendent, Brother William Cannell, and I just hugged her neck, and I said, Sister Cannell, and we are acquainted, by the way. I do know her, and she knows me, but I said, I just want to thank you. I want to thank you for your faithfulness to the kingdom. I want to thank you and your husband, even in his absence, for all the sacrifices you all made, all of those. Because of you, I had a place to go. I'm thankful for the church. I'm thankful for the church of the living God. Amen. So tonight, this service is very significant for me. It's not that I'm here. It's not that I'm here against my will. It's not that I'm here kicking and screaming. I was glad. I understood more so what David meant. Glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. I'm glad there is a place that man will meet and can meet with God and God will meet with man. And so don't ever, don't ever look at the calendar and drop your countenance and say it's Sunday or it's Wednesday or it's time to go to the house of God. You you never know what will be brought into your life on the wings of the church. You never know what man, what woman, what person, what individual, what ministry you will be introduced to only because of the single value of the church. I'm glad tonight of the church because of the church. We know men like Stacy Thomas who can stand behind this desk and open their heart before God and pour from themselves into our lives. If it had not been for the church, we would not know them. I'm thankful for the church. 
I'm grateful to know tonight that we have a place that we can come and we're here intentionally. We're here with purpose and we're here <clears throat> to let God speak something into our lives. I was reading today and I, I've been, <clears throat> I felt challenged in my, in my heart several months before the year ended to add, I think I may have mentioned this a Wednesday night or so ago, but to add to my, my scripture reading, I just, every, every, every month this year, I want to read through the book of Acts. And I, I don't know of a better place to hang out <laughs> than the book of Acts, the Acts of the Apostles. And I, I begin to read today from the 18th chapter. And uh, I, I was reading about Paul and, and his arrival at Corinth and his, this particular moment in his life, and I, I'm not going to belabor the issue and try to keep you here all night, but Paul was at a very odd and strange place in his life with God in his ministry. Paul was standing at a place in the 18th chapter of Acts that really, and quite frankly, he had never stood in before. And he needed someone to be there for him. In the 16th chapter, I believe, of Acts is where Paul uh, wanted to go to Asia and, and, and then another city, and the Spirit forbade him to go there, the Scripture talks about. It was there that, the, that, that he saw in a vision a man from Macedonia said to come here. And so there's, there's these huge highs and these tremendous lows in the Apostle Paul's life. I don't know how, in the name of common sense, he kept his feet under him. There were times that he felt like the preacher plus, and then there had to be days that he felt like he didn't even know who or what he was. And he... He finds himself in Corinth and he, might, he meets Aquila and Priscilla. And it was there that Paul went back to his trade for just a season of time to literally earn money as a tent maker. A leather worker is what history says. And so they begin to, to work for a season of time and and, and, and Paul was preaching and declaring and he was being affirmed on one hand and disputed on another. He was being lifted up on one side and just absolutely punished on another. In, in the middle of all of this chaos, in the middle of all of this calamity, the Lord spoke to Paul in, in Acts chapter 18 and verse number 9. And the Lord spake, to Paul in the night by a vision. And this is what the Lord said. In a moment of utter confusion, the Lord said, Be not afraid, but speak and hold not thy peace. For I am with thee, and no man shall set on thee to hurt thee, for I have much people in this city. Now, when you think about the Lord said, no man is going to hurt you. You're talking about a man who just two chapters ago was in prison <laughs> and was beaten nearly to death. 
And so when the Lord said nothing's going to come your way to hurt you, he's talking to a man who probably, by all intent and purposes, still has bruises, certainly has scars, and the least of which he has not suffering from amnesia. So he has not forgotten. The Lord said no man's going to hurt you. That doesn't literally mean no man's going to inflict pain on you. But no man's going to stop what I have set forth. And he said, for I have much people in this city. As I began to study that phrase, it was that phrase that began to resonate through the ages of time. And I think that is a word that is still echoing for us today. I have much people in this city. What God was saying is I am still dealing in the hearts and the minds of men at this very hour. I am still, I talked about this Wednesday night ago. I am, I am still like they of the house of Cornelius. While I am working on this side with Simon Peter, I'm working on Cornelius' house on the other side. And so what God was saying to Paul is I have much people in this city that I am still talking to. I still have their ear and their heart. And so tonight I would say I'm thankful that there is is a place that man can meet with God. That means we're here tonight. That means that we had a place that we could come and an hour that we could come. And uh, I, I, uh, I'm glad, you know, we try to be very diligent about starting on time. That's our goal every service. Sometimes it just doesn't work that way. You'd have to be on this side of this, all, all of this to understand, <laughs> to understand that. So despite our very best efforts, sometimes that particular part doesn't happen. But I'm very, very thankful that it's not like it is some places. Amen. Now, it's going to sound like I'm fixing to throw rocks, but I'm just speaking from experience. I'm glad that we're not just sitting around here chewing the fat and finally 20 minutes, you know, uh, finally about 10 minutes late, somebody says, well, we ought, maybe we ought to strike up the band. I'm glad that there's not this cavalier spirit and attitude. I'm glad that we drove here intentionally. But what I come to this pulpit tonight to tell you is this. Amen, that while God has given us a place that we as men can meet with him, God has not brought the last man through the doors of this church. He's not brought the last woman through the door of this church. He said, I have much people in this city. And so through your pain and through your affliction and through everything that you may encounter, through the things that you may face and even fear in your life, I have much people in this city. So Paul, arise and get your Bible and dust it off friend and continue to preach and so to the church tonight I want to say this, amen, this is not the hour to fold our Bible up and set it on the top shelf, this is not an hour to turn down the wick and just try to idle until the spirit of God calls us home but if there was ever a time that we need to turn the wick up high amen and let the church be the church it is the hour in which we live tonight, for Jacob it was just an oily rock in a sandy place, it wasn't a whole lot to look at. It was a lot for men to laugh and scoff at but for Jacob it was a place that I know I can get there and find the presence of the Lord. It's already been alluded to here tonight and we're not being negative and cynical when we say this but there's an awful lot of sickness that's going around the church and I don't feel 100% tonight at all myself but I wanted to be here and I wanted to stand behind this desk one more time not because I have preacher's itch but because the call 
cause of the kingdom and the purpose of the kingdom is pressing in our heart. Maybe tonight it would have been a little easier for you to stay home, but you pushed past that point and reached a place that said, I, I gotta get there. I, I just gotta get there. And aren't you glad you did? Aren't you glad you came on and pressed and pushed? Aren't you glad you won the battle tonight? Amen. Why? Because God has a place where man can meet with him. David said, what is man that thou art mindful of him? Who, who am I? Rusty Goodman wrote, who am I that a king would believe in God? Who am I? But I'm thankful that God can take nothing and make something out of him. By the time the Lord got through whittling away at Jonah. He didn't feel nearly as important as he did just a few days ago. Jonah wasn't as haughty and high-minded as he was a few hours before. But Jonah realized there was a city that needed to be saved and there was only one message that would save them. And so tonight, I don't know what the Lord saw or sees in me, but I'm so thankful that he believes in me. I'm so thankful that I'm here. I want our, our musicians to come and, and uh, as they're coming to prepare, I, I want to, I just want to maybe end with an illustration. I've used this illustration before and I don't say this tonight just to embarrass you by any stretch of the imagination, but I, for whatever reason, this afternoon just before I left for church, I, I started talking about this with my wife. My, uh, our son <clears throat> has always been a homebody. Just has always just loved to be home. He never was one really to want to go off and spend the night with other people. Maybe uh, Brother Allen and Sister Melinda would be an exception to that. And uh, my mom and dad would have been an exception to that. But even those two closest relationships were not always enough to hold him all night. And so one one late one one night my wife we had been somewhere and because we knew we were coming home late and he wanted to stay with my mom and dad. We left him there to spend the night and so we came home rather late. I don't think it was in the wee hours of the morning. I, I'm really not clear on that in my mind, but it was it was late. So we made our way down 349. We passed by my mom and dad's house and the porch light was on. And uh, my wife had already mentioned just, it's just you know, a mother's intuition is just, it's, <laughs> who can understand that but a mother? She, she had already made a couple comments. I hope he's all right. I hope everything's all right. We passed by my mom and dad's house and the, out, the front porch light was on. And so... That didn't mean anything to me. But she said, you know, maybe we ought to turn around. It, it appears that they're still up. And so I turned around and I went back. And we, they were up still. And we walked in the house. Justin was just a little boy. But he, he started saying to his mama, I, I, knew, you would, I knew you'd come. And he had slipped over there and turned the light on. 
and, and I don't even know what made him think to do that. It was not a code. It was not something we had worked out. If things go wrong, turn the light on. <laughs> it, was not, <laughs> it was no code. It had never been used before or since, to my knowledge. But he just slipped the light on. And then in a, and I, we've never discussed this since he's been grown, but I'm just surmising that in the mind of a child, he was not only hoping that we would see the light, but he was also hoping we would get the message. And had it been left up to me, I confess, I would have dropped the ball. So the light's on, I'm going home. <laughs> Thank God for mommies. And he said, I knew you would come. And so tonight, the only thing I know to do sometimes is just turn on the light. I don't really know what to say. I don't really know what to do. But I just, I'm just going to turn the light on. And perhaps even it was an effort to do that, just to flip the light on. And I'm going to hope with just this one single stroke of faith that you'll not only see the light, but you'll understand. As we stand tonight, I don't know about you. I feel confident because we're made out of the same material that I'm safe in saying this. I feel confident that I'm safe in this assumption that, that there are times we stand even perhaps in this house or a place of prayer and we really don't know what to say. And so because this that I just shared with you happened to us, I reflect on and say this. I'm, I'm, the only thing I know to do is turn the light on. And I hope that will be enough that you can get the message. I want you to know that sometimes I feel my vocabulary comes grossly, it's grossly inadequate to truly express how I feel, whether that's exuberance or bewilderment. But I just hope we can turn the light on. And so if we can just come to this house and turn the light on. I never know any more than you what God's going to do when we come into this place. You know, sometimes the Lord just kind of sweeps us off our feet. He just comes in like the first Sunday of revival and just begins to move in such an extraordinary way. That was not really what we planned, but God had plans beyond our plans. In other times, the Spirit of the Lord just speaks still, soft, quiet. But it's no less important and it's certainly no less significant. As a matter of fact, I think sometimes... When God speaks softly, it makes us lean in a little bit harder. And so tonight, I want to make sure that man has a place to meet with God. And so I want to make sure that I do what I can to serve this generation. That's what David was written of David. He served his generation. He served his generation. I was on the phone with a friend a few days ago and he began to reflect about all the elderly ministers and the, just the last few years that we have lost in the realm of Pentecost. And he made this statement, and, and he made it more than once. He said, we have lost so much. We've lost so much. And he wasn't bemoaning that. He, he wasn't trying to say, 
it's over and the ship is going down. That wasn't the message. He was just so emphatic about we've lost so much. And as he began to say that again and again and again, into my spirit, I felt the sobering responsibility that somebody must fill their shoes. Somebody must fill their shoes. I promise you, I'm not being pompous tonight. But you see, those that we were talking about were men who and women who did not see themselves as anyone. They were just doing what they thought was right. They were keeping the light on. They were making sure that, that somehow, some way, that this machine called the church just kept moving forward. I'm glad people have given their lives in service and dedication to it. Can we just worship the Lord? Amen. Let's close this service in a song. And let's thank the Lord tonight for a place that man can meet with God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806, or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening, and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.